This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Good evening. I'm Maureen McGrath, and this is the Sunday Night Health Show, a show all about health. It's been said your health is your wealth. The benefits of great health cannot be overstated. Great health leads to a longer, happier life and even better relationships. Physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational, and sexual. Uncovering what lies beneath the sheets. I have a passion for up-to-date and accurate health information to guide you so that the life you lead is the best it can be. Please remember to put the kitties to bed as listener discretion is advised. Remember, we are likely to go under the covers here tonight. On this program, my aim is to provide you with up-to-date, evidence-based information so that you know there are options for treatments for what ails you. So please do always consult with your medical doctor about anything that is going on in your life. If you want to give me a call tonight, the number to call is 604, for the local people, 604 Two eight zero nine eight nine eight or one eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. The lines are open. Andrew's got them open. And good evening, Andrew. How are you? Oh, I'm glad that I'm not staring into the into the brightness outside. It's far too bright. We're not <laughs> complaining. That um, we're, there's no room for complaints, Andrew. You know that. This is me. Uh. <laughs> there's no. <laughs> Come on. We get beautiful weather in this country, and uh, and you're complaining? I just wish it was 10 degrees colder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a winter person. Oh, my I'm God. a winter oh, person. No. I, I, love, I can't I, handle humidity. Some like it hot. <laughs> I love it hot. I love the humidity. <laughs> turn up the temperature. Hopefully, we'll turn up the temperature tonight on the program, the Sunday Night Health Show. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. It is always my honor and pleasure to be here with you. We've got lots of different subjects on the show. Uh, number one, what does diabetes have to do with infidelity? <laughs> That's coming from an email. And I will be reading your emails that you have sent to me and uh, hopefully providing you with, uh, with some wisdom around that. But I love that one. Um, also, and my email is nursetalk at hotmail.com. So pop me over an email if you're too shy to call in. Um, but I'd love to talk to you. We can talk about anything. Also want to talk about guilt. One of my favorite subjects, guilt, a wasted emotion in my mind. However, uh, you know, it's actually useful in life as well. And I'm going to be re- reviewing guilt because a woman phoned me and had ordered something from me. You can imagine what it is and or what it was. And I told her she had ordered the best little health device out there and she was feeling guilty. So we're going to be talking about guilt and I'll let you know what uh, what it was that I advised her. And then I had another patient in my clinical practice and she had a question for me. Here was the question, get the violins out. She was around, she was in her mid forties. And why do younger men, why, why is it that only younger men want her? So we had a great conversation about that. And she said the men who were 22 to 35 is are the guys that uh, are after her. Um, lots of women in my clinical practice this week having extramarital affairs. Uh, we're going to be getting to some health subjects very shortly, but relational issues are so important. Um, and it's interesting. It was just very interesting how uh, those played out. And so I'm going to review some of those with you as well. Also, you know what? It's not easy being a guy these days. So I'm going to be talking about some of those terrors of what it's like to be a guy, some of the societal expectations on you that may impact you, like beauty, for example. And I'm going to talk to you about the new Brotox campaign. Yes, fillers and 
Botox and and um, I don't know. I just hope you don't get trout lips. That's all. Um, that will be just fantastic. We have tons of women walking around with trout lips, and now we'll have a lot of guys walking around with that. But that's not uh, to be advised. But you know what? I actually. Uh, Men get scars. Men have tattoos. There's lots of um, good laser therapy out there and and treatments for that kind of thing. So it's not all silly. Uh, We do get serious here on the Sunday Night Health Show every now and again. And one thing that is a serious issue uh, for men is and women is anger, unbridled anger, uncontrolled anger, anger that will impact your job, your relationships your life, your ability to sleep, your ability uh, to have intimacy in your in your life, because, you know, nobody wants to be intimate with an angry person. It's a big turnoff. Have I not told you that before? But I am so delighted because I know a little, I don't know that much about anger because I'm actually not a, an angry person. And it's, I'm one of those people who it's really difficult to actually get a charge out of me in that way. <laughs> I know how to get a charge, no problem, but it happens to be a little device that might be in the nightstand. But aside from that, the anger, uh, you know, a lot of people who have issues with anger get even angrier because I don't get angry. I, I don't go to their drama party. I, I just am, I'm kind of gobsmacked. So we're going to be talking about some of those um angry situations and what you can do about it with Alistair Moose of Moose Anger Management. He does phenomenal work in the area of anger. Also going to be talking about um, another issue around men, straight men who have gay sex. You didn't think so. Well, it happens. And I'm going to be reviewing a research study around that. Also going to be talking about a new research study with regard to diabetes and prediabetes and the importance of expanding some of the criteria so that people are diagnosed sooner than rather than later. And also vaginal rejuvenation. What is it? What does it mean? What are some of the new treatments that are out there that are available for women to rejuvenate their vagina? And and that term is a little bit of a misnomer, and I will be explaining that to you uh, very soon. So um, we're going to get on with the show. Uh, we're going to be starting to talk about some of the challenges that men face in the world, some of the social expectations that are placed on men that make make life maybe a little bit unfair. Uh, some of the things that men are taught, men are taught never. This is something I do do, and men are taught not to do this. And somebody told me to do this a long time ago, and that's cry. And I love to cry, and it is so cathartic for me. I don't I love to cry at a movie. I, I can cry at the drop of a pin. I often thought I could have really been a movie star because I can cry on a dime. But uh, And that's one of the criteria, but I didn't meet any of the other criteria, so that was a big problem. Um, but if they just needed a stand-in to cry, I would have been fine. But men are taught not to cry. They're also taught not to show emotion. They are taught that they are to be the breadwinner. They are to have the fabulous job. They are to always be responsible. And they are not to talk to anybody about their feelings. So I would love to talk to you, though, about anything that you would like to contribute to this program. And also, I have a little prize that I'm going to give away um, uh, because on Twitter this week, which is where I spend half of my life and the other half I spend on LinkedIn, but on Twitter, there was something, um, there was uh, a note, uh, a tweet about, uh, let's see, about 
something a man didn't want to do. I think it's a little too early in the program for me to go down there to get into that. Um, so I'm actually going to uh, talk about this tweet probably in the second half of the program when, where I can have a little bit more latitude. And you've definitely put those children to bed, grabbed your glass of wine, gotten your lover, you know, your supine and, uh, and listening to the show. Or if you don't have a lover, that's fine too. And it's okay because I actually have some help for you if you don't have a lover. All of you ladies out there, in honor of that tweet that, um, I, I, and I would love and to, uh, hear from you if, uh, when, when I get to that. Anyway, um, we will certainly get to that little bit because I do love to give away prizes. And, um, so I have one this week and I actually, I believe I have a prize next week to give away too. So you want to stay with me. Every Sunday night, live uh, for the Sunday Night Health Show. So if you want to give me a call, 604-280-9898 for the local folks and 1-877-399-9898. Or you can always email me, nursetalk at hotmail.com. I love your emails. When I come back, what's the problem with guys today? I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Thank you so much for being here with me this evening as we uh, dive into well into spring and, and hopefully summer soon uh, for all of you uh, here uh, listening here on this program. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about uh, men for the, to start with. Uh, but one of the subjects that's related to this is not necessarily limited to men because women can experience anger as well. But I just want to start with some of the expectations that are placed on men um, in society that make them feel um, fearful. They end up with a deep-seated fear uh, that things that they feel or think are not just right, in part because men are taught not to express their emotions, not to talk to anybody about their feelings, the F word for men. And so I'm just going to give a little background around that, and then which leads into anger. And then I have Alistair Moose of Moose Anger Management here in the studio with me, and we're going to delve a little bit into men's anger. But let me tell you, anger is not limited to men. Believe you me, women get angry also. And I've been reviewing a particular case myself with Alistair here in the studio, and he's given me tremendous insight on on this. Alistair, welcome to the studio. Thanks, Maureen. Glad to be here. Oh, well, thanks so much for coming. So a few of the fears that men have that actually make it that make it uh, difficult for men, and they may actually be hiding behind this facade of false confidence. One of those things is uh, around sexuality and intimacy. And so a lot of men may carry a deep-seated fear that their sexual needs are in some way not right, whether it's something complex like a fetish or simple as uh, desire for sexual frequency. This can lead to shame, and it can then carry on to a lack of emotional connectivity in their relationships. Another thing men often fear because society has placed this on them is that they're never going to earn enough money. And so as men and money, it's, that's just another whole program. Okay, we're going to have to dedicate like a, a series to that. But uh, men fear that they're never going to earn enough. They are they are burdened with the responsibility that they, uh, they have been tasked with um, providing for the family if they have um, a family or that they are to be the principal breadwinner or that they are just to, you know, they're to earn money because that's the value that is placed um, with men. Other men may also find out that a man is weak. And so weakness and masculinity are just 
they just don't, they're like oil and water um, because we actually, um, want, we expect men to be masculine and strong and tough and not to cry. And men fear that their worries and sadness may be a sign of weakness when they are actually um, a sign uh, that you are to be respected for those. So it's, it's quite opposite, but they feel that they're going to be rejected and condemned by their friends or their wives or their families or or spouses. <clears throat> also, so they are taught to hide these fears. And there's this cultural myth of male toughness. Uh, you know, and this is not all guys. Like some guys are, you know, are vulnerable and able to express their emotions. Of course, they've just had amazing mothers. Um, but anyway, a lot of men fear um, that they are judged solely on their economic and physical vitality. And so they fear getting old, but they don't want to talk about it. And also men are not valued for those feminine soft skills that they have, like diplomacy or emotional availability, being able to actually, you know, a lot of guys feel that they have to be right all the time. And if they're not right, that means they're out of control and somebody is going to think poorly of them. And, and oftentimes this leads men to thinking that they actually don't know who they are. And they battle this uncertain world to um, often provide for their families. Um, they, they struggle financially. They may struggle um, for, uh, with, with personal growth and development. And they come to fear that person that they look in the mirror at if they ever take a look in the mirror. So... This can lead to this, uh, I often say a disparity between the egomaniac and the inferiority complex. There's a, there's a gap. And I think everybody has a gap. It just depends on how wide that gap is. And so for these people who are just losing control, losing their temper, losing their cool, you know, they may come across as arrogant and in control, but they're actually quite out of control and they may not feel great about themselves. But you, Alistair, of Moose Moose Anger Management, know a heck of a lot more about anger than I do. So you see this, you see angry men and women, and you have classes all over and you do do online uh, consultations all over the globe as well. So tell me a little bit about what you see as it relates to this expectation of this masculinity we have in our society. Well, I think today, boys growing up in high school, for instance, they... They, when they go, when they're in elementary school, they'll still walk down the hall arm in arm. And they'll even talk to their friends. But by the time they get to high school, and I have a son who's in high school, they stop talking to their friends and they don't touch each other anymore. They're not going to walk down the hallway arm in arm because somebody's going to call them gay. And even though it's a lot safer for people to be gay, Guys don't want to be seen as feminine in any way. So it ends up um, leaving men, boys and men, isolated, alone, because they're not able to actually talk about any of these things. And it's really interesting in our groups where we talk about all these things, and guys always end up saying things like, well, glad I'm not the only one. And and we see a lot of nice guys, mm-hmm. guys that are... Uh, friendly and kind and intelligent, except for one area, usually with a partner, sometimes with kids, what have you, but they don't ever talk to anybody about it. They just keep on trying to fix it over and over. One of the guys in uh, my groups right now said, yeah, I, I looked at your website and I called you about two years ago, 
But then I decided, no, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out <laughs> myself. And then two years later, he comes to me and says, hey, okay, I didn't figure it out. And men will consult with, I don't know, a mechanic or a carpenter or an electrician, but it's harder to come and talk to somebody until they get through the door, until they they start. Once they start, most men end up really doing really well. On the uh, the beginning of the last session of the group, I ask, what's the most vulnerable thing you've done over the last six weeks? And we go around the group, and everybody just answers whatever they want to answer. And sometimes they had a difficult conversation with their partner or their father or their mother or their kids or, or, a, or, a, or a friend. And every time they, they say, and I'm really glad that I did that, even if it didn't work out well, mm-hmm. that the adult in them, the, the heart-connected, intelligent man, stepped forward and did what he needed to do. He stepped into the fear because part of him's afraid to go there. He doesn't isn't sure how it's going to unfold, but he did it. And then he found out where the other person was. Even if it wasn't what they had hoped, there's this honesty. He knows now what's actually going on. And a lot of men say, and I see this in my clinical practice, if I if I suggest that they have a conversation with their father or their wife or their spouse or whomever, um, they say it's it's pointless, it's useless, there's no point. And, and it's really because the expectation of what the other person is doing, but I'm suggesting they do that for themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you to stay uh, in the studio through the news because um, you've written a great article called The Inner Dictator, and I want to talk about the inner dictator of men and women and they. I am Maureen McGrath, and you are listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Alistair Moose of Moose Anger Management is is, is in studio with me. Uh, he's the anger man. Alistair, thanks for staying over through the through the news. Um, so you're the anger man, and uh, you hold classes, and you've been holding these classes for uh, 23 years in various cities all over Canada and online um, for people around the globe. Anger is a big issue in our world. First of all, why did you um, start this anger management company? Well, initially, I just kind of fell into it. And so you weren't angry. Angry. You didn't have a, an incident yourself. <laughs> oh, I, I think if anything, I didn't get angry enough. Okay. <laughs> I, I kind of bottled it up. And would store it up, and then rare occasions it it, it might all come out of me Erupt. when somebody cut me off while I was riding my motorcycle or what have you. Okay, and Ooh, that's a bad time to have an angry outburst when it, you're riding a motorcycle, right? It is true. And when I started running these groups, I was interested. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I discovered, because I did a lot of research, I studied, I um, attended all sorts of workshops. I found that my role models growing up, my parents maybe didn't have anger management really dialed in all that great. Mm -hmm. And so I realized I had lots to learn Mm -hmm. because a lot of the people that come our way hold it in and are actually really nice guys, but they hold it in, they hold it in, they hold it in, and then it builds up and at one point it just blows all out of them. And then they feel the shame because they've heard the people they love, because most of this happens in the home. And then they go back to being passive, not really addressing the issues, the conflicts, 
like we need conflict in life. It just, it happens. It's what do we do with it? And of course we make mistakes with it. After we make mistakes, do we just move on? Do we push it behind us? Do we avoid it? Or do we face it, uh, you know, with a connection to our heart, with a connection to our emotional and intellectual intelligence? That's how we learn. But we need to take the courage to really uh, address what's happened in the right way, at the right time, with the right person, for the right reasons. This is not easy. And so mostly do people come to you and you see men and women, do they come to you because an incident has occurred, something that has frightened them, something that says maybe a spouse says I'm leaving you or perhaps they've lost a job or perhaps they have, um, you know, had an issue with the law? Nobody calls the anger man unless something pretty bad happens. (laughs) Usually there's a big blow up there. Right. And usually... The morning before this blow-up happened, they woke up and they were exhausted. They hadn't slept well again. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of things that had gone wrong, Um, problems with uh, people staying over. Their mother-in-law stayed for an extra three months more than expected. They had difficulty in the jobs. They've moved houses. They've just had a kid. There's a whole bunch of stressors involved. They haven't slept well, and they're holding all this tension. They wake up in the morning, and they're not relaxed. They're not feeling rejuvenated and excited about the day. They're tired. They're exhausted. They're frustrated because things haven't been going well. And then they get up, and they drink some coffee, boost their heart rate up a little more, and they start going through their day, and something else goes wrong. And the frustration and the resentment of all the things that have happened over the previous weeks or months just jumps on top of all this, and it leaves them so escalated. They're just on the edge all the time. And I think most people can relate to the idea of being burnt out, where you just do too much for too long. And People end up feeling like regular everyday things, things you may even enjoy, start feeling like a chore. Like you just don't want to do those things. And really big things start feeling almost impossible to do or or overwhelming. And we become cynical. Everything becomes all or nothing. It becomes dramatic. And we disconnect from our heart, from our core values, from what really matters to us. And in those moments... Well, we lose perspective. We can't see the big picture anymore, and we cross a line because we, we've we lost perspective, and then we hurt the people we love or we react poorly. Uh, you know, on international stages, you can see, you know, soccer players biting the other guy or headbutting the other guy or Brad Marchand for the Bruins licking the right. other guy. I mean— What is that? (laughs) And and that was done to, I mean, that's the ultimate fear for men, that they will be uh, perceived as as gay, especially masculine men, right? These men that are on the the ice hockey um, teams in NHL. And so it's, but but to the credit of those he kissed and licked, they didn't respond, which Mm. will fuel Brad Marchand's fire even more. Well, we're not really quite sure what is fueling Brad Marchand, but <laughs> I think an awful lot of people are embarrassed for him for crossing that line because there's this sexual element to licking somebody's face, mm-hmm. and it's just never been seen before in hockey. It's 
weird. It, it's it's unusual. We'll, we'll give it that. But is it is he elicit, trying to elicit a response? An Guaranteed, angry response? he's trying to get somebody to lose it. And yeah, to their credit, you know, even through the kisses and the licking, nobody's really lost it on him, which I think surprises a lot of people. Right. Yeah. Because that's really crossing a line and. Anger is described as the guardian of our boundaries. So when, when somebody crosses your boundaries, anger rises up. Right. It doesn't mean we lose it, but it can fuel us. We can actually become more determined, more focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gandhi probably kind of pissed off at the British in India. Uh, obviously did something wise, something intelligent. And, well, everybody that comes to see me, they didn't take that step back and look at the bigger picture and connect to their heart. Right. And, uh, you know, and and stay connected to the other person's humanity. They lost all of that, and they they react in those moments as if there's a wild animal there. Mm -hmm. Because the body doesn't know the difference between an emotional threat or a physical threat. And so the adrenaline rises up, and our heart rate's way up, and the tension's in our body— and the body starts doing that while well, it shuts down the higher reasoning part of the brain, right? which is where we lose perspective. It shuts down the connection to our heart because we don't need to uh, feel compassion for that wild animal. It's a threat to our survival. If we allow ourselves to escalate high enough, we lose that perspective. And among other things, our pain receptors deaden. So we don't feel the pain, but we also don't feel love or the care mm-hmm. or even the shame Right? Shame connects us to our conscience. Shame stops us from crossing certain boundaries. But if we're, we're deadened to our uh, physical experience right now, which would ser- serve us well in uh, something with a wild animal attack, there is no wild animal. It's just our wife or our husband or our kids doing something that drives us out of our mind, and the body starts to react as if we're under threat. And the more we escalate, the more our emotional maturity level drops. So if we ask, if we allow ourselves to escalate high enough, then we start acting like a three-year-old. Exactly, which leads me to the article that you wrote, um, uh, which is the about the inner dictator. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, are there people who, first of all, before we go through that article, getting to know your inner dictator, which was on the Good Men Project website, um, you know, are there people who just have a temper and just they're just going to have a temper throughout life and that's their excuse or, you know, they're, they'll give an excuse like it was heat of the moment or then they or they apologize. They get into this anger cycle of, you know, of, of screaming, losing control and then, um, you know, recovery, apology, and then they do it again. Well, you know, I had a guy in a recent group and I really appreciated him because he came in and he said, you know, I realized I can change. I mm-hmm. just realized that. And he was in his mid-40s, maybe 50. And often when the excuses are being made, well, you know, everybody in my family does that and it's, it's genetic, which isn't true. There might be a small genetic part of it, but overall it's about environment and we learned it. Mm-hmm. So. If we learn it, we can learn something else. And when people come to our groups or do individual work with us, they've opened up. They've stepped into a little bit of vulnerability, and they're able to say, yeah, I I can do things differently. And 
you know, that takes some courage. And so we see hundreds. I, I've worked with thousands of men and women over mm-hmm. the last 23 years on this. More men than women or more women than men? More men than women. Because for men, you know, think of an angry man. And what comes to mind for most people is, well, actually it might be some power, uh, a powerful man. It might be somebody losing it, but certainly in sports, anger can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Think, what, what comes to mind when you think angry woman? Crazy? Right. <laughs> it, it's completely unfair. Yes, There's no equality is. in that because, you know, women are socialized that they can express all the emotions except for anger. Right. Where men are socialized that they can express anger, but not the rest of the emotions. So it's easier for men to come to anger management than for women to go. But the women that do show up are a real courageous bunch of women because they're willing to face this that society says they're not even supposed to ever acknowledge. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I've I've loved the the women's groups that I co-facilitated. Although my partner Alejandra Proano does the does those groups now and d- does a, an outstanding job. Right. And regardless of men or women, uh, how much is alcohol? Which I I told you a story, a personal story mm-hmm. earlier. And I felt that um, that situation was fueled by this woman's alcohol. Uh, excessive use and potentially abuse. Um, She was always the one uh, leaving the party vomiting and always the one, you know, her life centers around drinking. And, um, and so how much does alcohol fuel anger? Well, and, and you can also, I think, imagine the immaturity in somebody who drinks so much that they're throwing up. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't make a lot of sense, right? There's nothing really intentional this is not an adult fully mm-hmm. in charge of themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a little kid is in charge. Uh, a, a number of years ago, there was a study in Canada, and they looked at mm-hmm. all of the uh, the police incidents around um, family violence. 85% of those reports, alcohol was involved. Amazing. We're going to go to break. I'm going to ask you to stay if you don't mind, because I want to talk about what can people do? What do they learn when they go to your groups? What can they do? How can they make their lives better? How can they calm down? I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you tonight and every Sunday night. I um, want to mention if you have a call, uh, if you're having issues in your relationship or anger issues, uh, Alistair Moose is here of Moose Anger Management. He does tremendously phenomenal work. I've sent a number of patients to him myself, and uh, he also does online consults for uh, anybody around the world, anybody who's listening out there. In Radio Land, and now we're going to be talking about well, the Inner Dictator, which is uh, why I've actually invited you on this program. What does that look like? Uh, do we have somebody in the White House who potentially uh, may be behaving like there's an Inner Dictator going on there? And uh, and also, what can people do about anger? How can people address? Uh, the anger issues in their life. I see a lot of recommendations sometimes, and they'll say people should, um, you know, re- reduce stress. I don't think anybody can reduce stress, but I think we can uh, change our response to stress. I think we can manage stress. Everybody has stress in their lives, of course, but it's just your, what lens you look through it at and, and how you deal with stress. But how can people deal with the anger in their life, and uh, especially if they're uh, an inner dictator? And what does that mean? <laughs> Well, the, the, I came up with that inner dictator term because 
when people come to see me, generally they were acting without any concern for the other person, even sometimes any concern for themselves. The only thing that mattered was that they were right, that they were heard, they were seen, that they were in control, they were in charge, that they got their way. And so... And what if they, even like if they dictator. were even if they were wrong like what if they're wrong and they still it's, they still it, insist that they're right facts are irrelevant facts are irrelevant when that inner dictator takes you over okay and that can look at you know that it, it all comes out at somebody else that we have to get our way or it could mean leaving okay it, it could be you know I mean you're just making absolute decisions so. Typically, people will use words like always or never. You're always like this or you're a total this or a complete that. You never listen to me. So the blinders are on. Mm -hmm. They can't see any other option in that moment, and they have to get their way. It kind of sounds like a dictator or maybe a certain politician. uh, There might be one out there. Yes, there may be one. Um, that that behaves that way. So so when people come to you, they probably they probably have come with their tail between their legs. They're you know they, they've hit the tipping point. They've they've gone too far with their their anger has gone too far. They've lost it just one too many times potentially. So what happens in the groups or so online? Often people show up and they they feel some shame about what they've done, which is good. Mm-hmm. It means they're motivated. They want to do something to change what's going on. And in the groups, we help people learn how to step back and notice, uh, observe what they're doing, how they're doing it, and be more connected to their heart, what really matters to them, their core values. We don't tell anybody what to do, but we describe what has worked for thousands of other people. And, you know, the, the goal is to become more intentional, to become more conscious, more aware of what you're doing, so that you take the time to step back and observe. One guy who came to our group years ago described himself as somebody who would lose it every single day. He would lose it on somebody. And he came into the fourth session of the group, and he said, now, he says, I rate everything on a scale of 1 to 10. He says, I stop, and I think, you know, in seconds or minutes or hours or or even, you know, years or decades, how much is this really going to matter to me? the fact that this guy cut me off or mm-hmm. the fact that somebody left the cap off the toothpaste or whatever it might be because often it's not something all that big and so he said after he started doing this it wiped out 85% of his freakouts he still hung on to 15% but mm-hmm. we're not after perfection here we're after growth we're after learning and this made a tremendous difference in his life and he was moving in the right direction And it wasn't like that 1 to 10 rating scale is the magic answer, but it helped him step back and gain perspective. And people can do it other ways. Some some fathers or mothers will stop and think, what am I teaching my children by acting this way? Yes. And it forces us to connect to our heart. You're teaching your children to act that way. (laughs) It forces us to connect to our heart, our intelligence, the big picture. And then we act with more wisdom. And we respond in a way that makes a lot more sense so that we don't feel more shame afterwards. Right. Ideally. Yeah, exactly. Some people get triggered. So, you know, someone can say something and it will just trigger somebody and boom, Mm -hmm. they lose it. So is it that time between 
um, you know, the trigger uh, and and the response. There's a, there's a space in there, and yeah, we we need to create more space in there. And sometimes people do that by breathing, just paying attention to their breath, mm-hmm. uh, breathing exercises, meditation, doing things where you become more aware of yourself. And whenever anybody has a disproportionate reaction to an event, you know, you know there's a bunch of stuff below the surface in the shadows, so right. to speak. Usually there's some current things going on, but there's often a history as well where they've reacted poorly over a long period of time. And then, you know, the challenge is to figure out what's, what's behind all of this. And so we do work with people that look at historic trauma that helps them identify what's going on so that they can take more charge of that because it's very physical in us. And when people haven't really looked at this, and and often we need a guide or or, uh, to seek uh, uh, consultation, if we don't do that, we just try and figure it out on ourselves or we ignore it, then we never really discover what's going on. Because as men, we're not supposed to look at this stuff anyway. Exactly. Absolutely. I I grew up learning just numb yourself. Exactly. So that numb your pain, and if you can't, then then drink or or, you know do some drugs. Um, And you know what? Internet anger. That's a whole other show, and we're out of time. But thank you so much for being here for the entire hour. Um, It's really helpful information. And your website, angerman dot online and healinganger.ca is the women's site. Fabulous. That's Alistair Moose and I am Maureen McGrath and you are listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.